West Bowles, good morning. Ellie, thank you for that song. I don't know how I'm supposed to follow that. That was incredible. So, hey, um, well, <clears throat> if you don't know me, my name's Nathan. I'm the associate pastor here. And my wife and I, we've got three kiddos. Many of you know them. We've got Lainey and True, our daughters, and then a son named Lincoln. And we've noticed this with each of our children, but especially with Lincoln. When he turned about three years old, um, we just noticed we could not respond fast enough for them to be satisfied. I mean, here's, here's how this would go. My wife and I would be having a lovely conversation, and uh, Lincoln would walk in, and Kara and I are talking, and here's how it went. Mom, Dad, Mom, Dad, Ugh! And I went, what? I'm, that was literally not enough time for my, my lungs to fill with oxygen to give you a response. And I sat there and I thought, what is going on in his head? And yet, I know exactly what was going on in his head. In fact, we all understand what was going on. I'm going to assume that a good chunk of this room, um, text messages, and you've probably got people in your life that you, when you send them a text message, you know just because of the way they operate, they're going to see it in three days, they're going to respond next week, and, and you can just brace for that. And then, you, then there are other people in our lives, and, and if you can't think of anybody, you are this person, okay? These are people who walk around with the phone all day long, and they could be asleep and still be typing on the screen. And when you send them a text message, um, what happens is you go, I know you have your phone in your hand right now, and I know you got my message and 30 seconds have gone by and there's still no response and I know you even have an opinion on my message. And when there's no response, we sit there and we just go, what is going on? And you know what we do? We start telling ourselves a little story. You guys do this? You, you go, oh, I know why you're not answering. You're mad at me. You're mad at me. So now, it's probably because of that, that thing that happened last week or the tone I took with you yesterday. And now, we're in a fight. We're in a fight. This is all within like 45 seconds, right? When you don't get the text message back. You guys do this? No? Me either. Me either. I just was checking with you guys, all right? But yes, when we are expecting an answer and we don't get one, this is where we go. We start telling ourselves a story. Have you noticed we don't wait well? We don't wait very well. And I think there's an author by the name of Carrie Patterson who I think hit the nail on the head as to why we don't wait well. And it's because he says anytime there is something off in a relationship where we're expecting a response or we're expecting something in return and it's not there, what do we do? We start telling ourselves a story. And he said there are a lot of different stories that we can tell ourselves, but two of the most common are a victim story. In a victim story, you go, this always happens to me. I'm just the kind of person this always happens to. Or we tell ourselves a villain story. And that's not about us, it's about the other person. We go, oh, this is just how they treat people. This is just how they are. And the, here's the point I want you to know. Carrie Patterson, he said, those stories, when we start getting that narrative going in our brains, they're always based on an incomplete amount of information. In other words, there's information we don't have. There is something we don't see when we're telling ourselves that story. Now, why do I bring all this up? Because if after 30 seconds or a minute, or hours, we can start telling ourselves these stories, then I want you to imagine 
what this guy was going through. This is in Luke chapter 2, if you have your Bibles this morning, and it'll be up on screen. But this is a guy named Simeon, and listen, listen to what Simeon had to go through. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now that phrase, the consolation of Israel, you know what that is? That's a statement of what the waiting was like for him and for Israel. And this refers to a point in time when the relationship between God's people and God, it got broken. It got broken. And and God looked at his people with eyes of love and he said, you know what? The only way this relationship is going to be reconciled is if they have a savior. And so God, what he did centuries and centuries before this moment with Simeon, he said, you know what? I'm going to send a savior. And he started sending messengers. They're called prophets. And every prophet had this message. He said, there is a savior coming. There's a savior coming who's going to redeem your relationship with your heavenly father. Israel, God's people, you're going to be reconciled to your heavenly father. And there was never more than about 70 or 80 years that a messenger was was gone. There was always a messenger, at least every 70 to 80 years. And then about 400 years before this moment with Simeon, they stopped showing up. And the people waited, and they waited, and they were probably expecting another messenger or maybe the Savior, and there was nothing. There was no response. And they waited some more, and one generation was born, went through life, died, nothing. And another generation, and another generation there was nothing. Can you imagine what kind of stories they might have been telling themselves in their minds? And for Simeon, for Simeon, it actually gets even more personal. Listen to this. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So in other words, Simeon, It's not just Israel waiting big picture, but the Lord through his Holy Spirit has said, Simeon, not only is that Savior coming, but you're going to see him before you die. Now, I want to ask a question. Are you waiting on God to show up right now? I mean, surely in in a room this big with this many people, there are some circumstances. There are some situations in here where you're saying, Jesus, I need you to show up. You got to show up. And, and on the one hand, we celebrate at Christmas that God sent a Savior into the world. And yet, as in Simeon's case, you know what I think? I think God wants to send a Savior personally into each and every single one of our lives. And he wants to show up. And so as we look, <coughs> excuse me, as we look this morning at Simeon's story, I want you to know, if you haven't seen him show up, you are not a victim. And God is not a villain. And as you look at Simeon's story, you're going to see there's another option. That in the midst of waiting, the thing we don't do very well, you have another option. And smack dab in the middle of that story, you know what? Simeon has this song that, that I think is more like a prayer, honestly. But he has this song that shows us that shows us exactly what hangs in the balance when we can learn to wait on God to show up 
in our lives. And so this week, we're continuing a series we started a couple weeks ago, the original Christmas playlist, playlist, as we look at Simeon's song. Now, perhaps the best place to start with Simeon's story is actually not with Simeon. Because I want you to see a piece, I want all of us to see a piece of his story that Simeon couldn't possibly have seen. This is that incomplete bit of information that Simeon didn't have, and to be honest, you and I don't have either, as we wait. You don't have this piece of information, but if you can trust that this, what we're about to read, is happening, well then it will do wonders for you as you wait on Jesus to show up. Take a look. This is Luke chapter 2, verse 21. And I just want you to notice something going on here. Verse 21, on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Now you look at that and you go, okay, that's, that's a nice bit of information. But there's something about this. There's a specific timing to this. On the eighth day, they did as the angel told them, as the angel of the Lord led them to do. Did you know? That right now, even though you can't see it, God is putting something together with very specific timing. It goes on. Verse 22, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem. Wait, wait, wait. Where did we just read Simeon is? Where was he? Jerusalem. Huh. So God not only is specifically putting something, something together in his timing, but he's putting something together for a specific place. And then it goes on, verse 24, And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons is a suitable sacrifice. Okay, so I know that just seems like some details there. But keep in mind, Simeon couldn't see any of this coming together. And you won't see it either. But can we trust that right now, as we wait, even though we don't see it, God is moving things with specific timing, in a specific place, in a specific manner, that is going to directly, as we'll see in a moment, directly impact our situation. You don't see it going on right now. Simeon couldn't see it either. But you know what you need to know in the middle of waiting on God to show up in your life? One of the most helpful things you could know is that God is moving things during this time. And even though I don't see him moving, that doesn't mean he stopped moving. Do you want to know who understands this better than anybody? Pregnant women. Pregnant women get this. How many pregnant women do you see walking around screaming at their bellies because this isn't happening fast enough? Let me retract that. Don't count that final month, okay? I mean, you do see them screaming at their belly and they've earned it. Just let them do their thing, okay? But no, a pregnant woman understands that something is developing. Something is forming and you can't necessarily see the specifics of it, but there is a life that is being developed with specific timing, in a specific place, in a specific way. And so, yes, the preacher is asking you this morning to, as we walk out of here, think like a pregnant woman, okay? Fellas, you too, okay? <laughs> all right? We got to move on because I'm getting some cravings right now, all right? 
Well, now, keep that in mind. God is moving things during this time. Now we're going to get to Simeon. And look at, it's the passage we just looked at, but we're going to keep reading this time. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem. Where are Mary and Joseph coming to? Jerusalem. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And then look at this phrase. Moved by the Spirit. Moved by the Spirit. He went into the temple courts. Now, this stopped me in my tracks. And as I read that, I thought, man, what am I moved by? What am I moved by? In fact, it's a question for all of us. What moves me? I mean, as I wait, that decision that I'm thinking about making, what's moving that decision? And as I thought about this for me, since I asked you the question, I'll, I'll answer first. This was, I, I had some tough answers. Because I realized most of the time, I'm not moved by God's spirit. A lot of the time, I'm moved by the stories that I'm telling myself as I wait. I'm moved by a fear of something not happening, that if, if I don't do something, it won't happen. If I don't do something, they won't respond. Or I can be moved by ambition. I can be moved by pride. I can be moved by anger. I can be moved by sadness. And yet Simeon was moved by the Spirit. And that's the other thing you got to know. That as you wait, not only do you have to know, you have to trust that God is moving things during this time. But this is the other piece. That God will move us on his time. He's moving things at this time and he'll move us on his time. In fact, a, uh, a baseball fan. A man by the name of Greg Van Neal discovered this in 2013. Greg Van Neal was a season ticket holder for the Cleveland Indians, and he had been going to games for pretty much his entire life. Well, he took advantage of a season ticket exchange. Basically, what it meant was they had oversold one game, and so they asked if any season ticket holders would give up their tickets in exchange for tickets in better seats for another game. And so Greg Van Neal, he gave up his tickets for one game, didn't know what kind of seat he was going to have for another game. But on July 14th, 2013, Greg Van Neal ended up in a totally different seat than he had ever had. Now, his entire life, Greg Van Neal had been taking his baseball mitt to baseball games. Anybody do that here when you go to a baseball game? And you do it in hopes of what? Catching a foul or a home run ball. Do you want to know the odds of catching a foul ball at a baseball game or a home run ball? It's one in a thousand. So, July 14th, 2013, Greg Van Neal, first inning, he is sitting in a seat he's never been in before. It was assigned to him. So he's in this seat, second batter up, connects with the ball, pop up, it's a foul. He stood, did not have to move a single foot, catches a foul ball. All right, one in a thousand odds. Greg finally has, after waiting his entire life, Greg has a foul ball. We're not done yet. Next inning, batter connects with the ball to line drive. 
Greg Van Neal stands to his feet, once again, does not have to move his feet, catches another foul ball. Two foul balls in two innings. Two innings later. There aren't many fans at the game on this day, so he's got empty seats around him. There's a foul ball hit into the stands, and it's rolling around two rows in front of Greg Van Neal. He said he had to jump the row. He spilled his nachos and cheese. But Greg Van Neal came up with his third foul ball of the day after waiting his entire life. But perhaps most impressive was the fourth foul ball. Fifth inning. Batter connects with the ball. It hits the the front plate of the bottom of the upper deck. Ricochets. And guess who catches the ricochet? Greg Van Neal. Do you want to know the odds? Statisticians looked at this. The odds of catching four foul balls or home run balls in a baseball game? One in one trillion. That's what happens when God moves us in his time. And for Simeon, what happened next was even better than four foul balls, one in a trillion odds. Look at this. Verse 28. Sorry, end of verse 27. When the parents, this is Joseph and Mary, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, verse 28, Simeon took him in his arms. Simeon, that's a little bit creepy. You don't just walk up to people and take their children out of their arms. But assuming the Spirit led him to do this, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Can you imagine? Centuries of Israel waiting on this promised Messiah. Centuries and centuries of it. Simeon waiting on a promise he'd been personally given. And when God delivered, did you notice where it was? It wasn't, oh, I saw him from a distance. It wasn't, oh, I heard about it in someone else's life. God delivered a Messiah straight into Simeon's arms. That's what happens when God brings together what he's been moving during this time and when he moves us in his time. Well, it goes on. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord. Now, why can you say sovereign? Because when you see God, when you see that God has been moving things during a time of waiting, and then you move on his leading, and you see that come together, that's the evidence for a sovereign God. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. You know what kind of moment this is right now? This is fulfillment. It's the fulfillment of God's promise to Israel, but this is the fulfillment of God's promise in Simeon's life. And it is a sense of the deepest fulfillment inside Simeon as well. This is, if you're a Broncos fan, you saw this. John Elway, Peyton Manning. They finally get those Super Bowls that they've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting on. And what did they do when they won them? Take me now. I'm done. Okay, you may not be able to relate to the football thing, but we've all had that meal. You know, you've had that meal, and you get done, and what do you say? Take me now. I could just die. Because you're fulfilled. Totally filled up. And this is the moment Simeon's having right here. How interesting. 
God moving things during the time of waiting and God moving us on his time. Do you want to know what that leads to? Fulfillment. Do you want to know what hangs in the balance when you and I can learn to wait on God in his time? Fulfillment. God's movement led to Simeon's fulfillment. And God's movement, not mine, God's movement, well, that brings our greatest fulfillment. Well, it gets more specific. What does fulfillment look like, Nathan? I mean, it's great that we can pinpoint the feeling, the experience of it. But as you look at Simeon's song, you see exactly what fulfillment looks like. Look at verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. See what Simeon's highlighting here. Notice the the seeing and the sight imagery. Part of fulfillment is being positioned to see Jesus. And then the other part of fulfillment is what happens next. Verse 33, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. See, fulfillment, you want to know what that looks like? It's when God moves you into position to see Jesus so that you can point people to Jesus. Now, I'm 37 years old, okay? And to some of you in this room, that is really, really young. And then to some of you in this room, that's really, really ancient. And thank you for reminding me of that every single time you see me, all right? And then to my fellow 37-year-olds, we all know it's just right, okay? But I, I have some life experience. And you know what? When you get to see God move you into position to see Jesus so that you can point people to Jesus, I will put that experience up against any experience this life has to offer. But you want to know how it comes about? When you can understand as you wait on Jesus to show up in your life, that God is moving. He's arranging things during this time and he will move me in his time. And so for our part, do you know what, you know what it is? It's verse 27. Moved by the Spirit. This is why at Christmas we say, look, would you consider? Would you consider a relationship? I mean, we say it all year long, but especially at Christmas, would you consider a relationship with your Savior? Because when Jesus comes in, you know what he says? He says, I will give you my Spirit. Because he wants to move you and he wants to move me and all of us into position to show us just what he can do. Well, one story and I'll close because, you know, it's easy to think, well, that happens for, for people who work in a church and it's easy for you to say that, Nathan. But I had an experience a couple years ago where it happened in the least likely of places. And when this happened, I went, you know what, this can happen anywhere. This can happen absolutely anywhere. We were on a youth trip. We were heading to Seattle. And uh, we were going to go see Seattle and work with some homeless up there. And it was the first day of the trip. And we were, we were driving. We got to just outside Ogden, Utah. Okay, and Ogden, Utah, I'd never really heard of it before. And it, it just felt like the middle of nowhere. 
It's 8.01 p.m. I remember because I looked at my phone when it happened. We're coming into Ogden, Utah, and we had the bus and the van, and the van was towing the trailer, and the tire on the trailer blew right outside Ogden, Utah. Well, we're, we're looking on our phones. David, our youth director, and, and, and I are looking on our phones for a tire place. So we see, oh, they have a Costco tire center, and they closed at 8 o'clock. It's 8.01, and they closed at 8 o'clock. Oh, they have a discount tire. Called them. Oh, they closed at 8 o'clock. So we see there's another, there's another Ogden Tire Center or something like that. Guess when they closed? Yeah, 8 o'clock. Awesome. So we thought, okay, well, worst case, let's just get everybody dinner. And so we pulled into In-N-Out Burger. By the way, everybody heard In-N-Out Burger's coming to Colorado? All right. Well, I'm, I'm glad that's your takeaway this morning, guys. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, anyway, so the group's eating at In-N-Out Burger. Across the parking lot, we see Advance Auto Parts. Open. They're open. We walk in. We said, hey, we blew a tire. We don't work on tires. Okay, awesome. They said, but we could call a guy. There's, there's like a mobile tire guy here in Ogden. So they called him once. No voicemail, no answer. Called him again. No voicemail, no answer. Called him again, like five minutes later. No answer. And at that point, while David was talking to the people at the counter, I walked out and did the thing I probably should have done in the first place. Lord, you got to show up. I mean, sure, we could stay here in Ogden, but you got to show up. And little did we know, God had been moving some things during that time. Suddenly, we're standing in the parking lot. David and I are just kind of starting to get a backup plan together. And uh, I heard... honestly, the most impressive string of words that I cannot say because we're in church, coming out of the mouth of the guy behind the counter. He went, oh my gosh, and a lot of other words. I'm not going to repeat those, but he said, you see that truck pulling in? We went, yeah. He's like, that's the guy we've been trying to call. Guy gets out of his car. Hey, have you been getting our phone calls? No, my phone hasn't been going off. I just felt like I needed to drive over here. They said, well, these guys blew a tire. They listed the size of the trailer tire. You're not going to believe. The guy said, I have two of those in my truck right now. And I looked up and I just went, okay, now you're just showing off. (laughs) Truth be told, God doesn't want to show off. But he does want to show up. And he wants to show you what Jesus is doing in your life so that you can show others what Jesus can do in their lives. So the guy behind the counter, David's, David's working with the guy who has the tires. Guy from behind the counter comes out. He's like, man, isn't that crazy? Like, what a coincidence. I mean, what are the odds? And I giggled and I thought, it's no coincidence. I said, can I tell you a story? See, when God moves you into position to see Jesus, And then he gives you an opportunity to point others to Jesus. There is nothing, nothing, nothing more fulfilling than that. So this Christmas, as we wait, as we wait upon the Messiah to show up, as we celebrate his arrival, I'd ask you, remember God's moving things during this time? And remember, he will move us in his time. God's movement brings our 
greatest fulfillment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you truly are sovereign. And this time of year of all times, we are reminded that you are faithful to your promise. Centuries upon centuries upon centuries, your people waited and you delivered. And so I pray for every single person in here who even knows a fraction of the waiting that Simeon and and Israel knew as we wait and wait and wait for you to show up in our situation, in our lives, and it can feel like centuries, I pray that you will remind us that you are so sovereign that you are moving things during this time and that you will move us during, in, in your time. And so, Lord, fulfill us this Christmas. I pray for anybody in here who has never once said, I want a relationship with Jesus as my Savior. I pray, I pray that you will just touch their hearts to reach out to somebody to say, I want to be moved by the Spirit so that I, can, that I can be in position to see your work, Jesus, and point others to that work as well. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.